Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 201. I'm your host, Jim Hawk, and in this session, we are going to finish 2 Kings. We're going to pick up on chapter 18. So to set the stage, the northern 10 tribes of Israel have already fallen. They fell in 722, 721 uh, BC. Okay, so they're already gone. So that's all we're going to hear about them for the rest of, of kings, because they don't exist anymore. Now we're going to concentrate our efforts on the southern kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, which is made up of just two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Okay, now we saw that in the old or in the north, in in the uh, nation of Israel, the northern ten tribes, all of those kings were bad all the way from when the divided kingdom began after Solomon. Okay, in the southern kingdom, most of them are bad, but there are a few good ones. And in this particular account of 2 Kings, there is a good one, Hezekiah. And uh, we see in chapter 18 that uh, Hezekiah never turned away from the Lord, it says in verse 6. He observed the commandments, and uh, but he still got problems. It says that uh, the king of Assyria attacked the northern part uh, and laid siege to it. And then there's another uh, attack by uh, a, a later Assyrian king known as Sennacherib. And uh, Hezekiah pays tribute and says, okay, look, you know, take the hinterlands, if you will, but leave Jerusalem alone. And the Assyrians say, no, we want it all. So they they attacked. And in chapter 19, Hezekiah says, hey, I want you to, you know, pray for, for our state, pray for Judah. And uh, so Isaiah is his um, prophet, if you will. And we're going to read more about Isaiah when we study, you guessed it, the book of Isaiah. So the two go together, Hezekiah and Isaiah. And Isaiah says, hey, don't worry. You're going to be okay. Uh, the Assyrians are not going to capture Jerusalem. And so Hezekiah says, well, um, that sounds okay with me. But uh, it turns out at the end of chapter 19, um, there's 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp, and they all died. So were they struck with a, uh, you know, with a plague, you know, like, a, you know, some kind of a virus? I don't know. Or did the king of Assyria just say, you know, this is too tough of a battle. I'm going to walk away from it. Um, or, or was did something happen to the king of of Assyria, Sennacherib, and and you know personally, and he chose to leave? I don't know, but at any rate, the Assyrians do not uh, breach Jerusalem, so that's cool. But Hezekiah gets sick, and the king of Babylon. Now the Babylon, not Assyria says, hey, I feel bad that you're you're sick. Let me uh, send some gifts. And he sends some letters to Hezekiah. 
And verse 13, not a very bright move. Hezekiah was pleased at this and therefore showed the messengers of Babylon his whole treasury. And uh, verse 14, Isaiah, his prophet, says, uh, uh, what did these, you know, where did these guys come from that you're showing them all of our treasury? And Hezekiah says, well, you know, it's from a faraway place. I think it's called Babylon. And uh, <laughs> Isaiah in chapter 16, excuse me, in chapter 20, verse 16 says, uh, you know, in essence, he says, that's not too bright. He says, everything that your fathers have stored up until this day shall be carried off to Babylon Nothing shall be left. But Hezekiah is just glad that the Assyrians who came before the Babylonians aren't going to take his stuff. And Hezekiah replied to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is favorable, for he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. So he didn't care about future generations. So that, that should be a note for our, our politicians today, right? We... we take care of the planet. We take care of our children. We take care of our finances because there are other generations that are going to come after us that uh, we need to provide a future for. And Hezekiah didn't get that. So yeah, he had peace in his lifetime. Yeah, he was delivered from the Assyrians, but the people who come after him are going to suffer at the hands of the Babylonians in a way that he never imagined. And in fact, they will be hauled away by the Babylonians. Okay, then chapter 21, we're back from a good king, Hezekiah, to a bad king, Manasseh. And he is, it says in verse 6, he immolated his son by fire. So he, he even sacrificed his own son to a pagan god, okay? And um, Manasseh... Misled, it says in verse 9 of chapter 21, Manasseh misled the people into doing even greater evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed at the coming of the Israelites. Okay. And then he has a kid, and that kid's no better, but he's only around for two years. His name is Ammon. Then chapter two, 22, we meet a great king, King Josiah. He's only eight years old when he began to reign, but I'm sure he had competent uh, advisors helping him. And he totally reformed everything. He, um, he conducted himself unswervingly, just as his ancestor David had done. It says in verse 2 of chapter 22, he repaired the temple. And now here's something a little off, a little weird. Um... So while he's repairing the temple, uh, this uh, uh, high priest says, hey, look, I found this book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Now, many think that the book of the Lord that was found is, is uh, either the whole Pentateuch or perhaps Deuteronomy. Well, we have a little problem here because Deuteronomy is thought by most scholars to have been to have been written during the time of Josiah and, and during this very time. You'll recall that Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. We've already studied that, and it's attributed to Moses. Okay, but it probably was written during the time of Josiah. 
there and looking back and it's called, uh, you know, it's, it's a pseudepigrapha, an example of pseudepigrapha, um, P-S-E-U-D-O-P-I-G-R-A-P-H-A. In other words, attributed to Moses, written as if Moses wrote it, but in fact written hundreds of years after Moses lived, perhaps 600 years after he lived. So this may this may be a literary device of of showing of illustrating how badly um, the nation of Judah had fallen. Um, so it says the priest Hilkiah had given him the book and he read it aloud to the king. When the king had heard the contents of the book of the law, he tore his garments in disgust. Why? Because Judah had not done what the book of Deuteronomy, or I should say, even the, the laws before that, um, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers talked about. Um, the anger, anyway, it's, it says, the anger of the Lord has been set furiously against us because our fathers did not obey the stipulations of this book nor fulfill our written obligations. So it says in chapter 23 that the king gathered all the elders to, of Judah together and he had the entire contents of the book of the covenant, so that would be what, Deuteronomy, that had been found in the temple of the Lord, read out to them, standing by the column, I'm in verse 3 of chapter 23 now, the king made a covenant before the Lord that they would follow him and observe his ordinances. And uh, so he's he's a good guy, okay? And he says he tore down the apartments of the temple and cultic prostitutes and all that. So he does all these good things. You know, he gets rid of the child sacrifice. Uh, he gets rid of the place where they were sacrificing children. But the problem is, it's a little too late to do the right thing now. I mean, these people have been screwing up led by most led by leaders for hundreds of years hezekiah being you know one of the few examples against that and just to get an idea of how far the nation had fallen we see in verse 21 of chapter 23 so chapter 23 verse 21 the king issued a command to all the people to observe the passover of the lord as it was prescribed in that book of the covenant. Verse 22, no Passover such as this had been observed during the time when the judges ruled Israel or during the entire period of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah until King Josiah. So people weren't observing the ordinances. So in our day, it'd be like, hey, people stopped going to mass. People stopped um, uh, going to adoration. People stopped in their religious practices. And when that happens, society starts to break down. Morality starts to break down. And in this case, ultimately, the, the country will be destroyed. We already saw the destruction of the, top, of, of the uh, northern ten tribes, and we're about to see the destruction of of the southern uh, tribe, okay? 
And we see this in verse, excuse me, in chapter 25. Um, because, you know, after after uh, Josiah leaves, again, it's, it's just a little too late. Now the Babylonians are the powerhouse, uh, military power of the day. And we see that um, verse 10 of chapter 24, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, attacked Jerusalem and the city came under siege. In verse 14, it says, he deported all Jerusalem, all the officers and men of the army, 10,000 in number, and all the craftsmen and smiths. None were left among the people of the land except the poor. So all the best and brightest get deported where they become, uh, you know, the, the learned people, they, they become, um, you know, uh, officials or, or, or bureaucrats, if you will, in the Babylonian government, you know, because they know how to read and write and stuff like that. So, uh, okay, and here is the sad ending of the nation of Judah. Chapter 25. This is where it all comes uh, down. On the seventh day of the fifth month, it, that was in the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, um, the Nebuchadnezzar, captain of the bodyguard of the Babylonians, came to Jerusalem as the representative of the king of Babylon. Verse 9. He burned the house of the Lord, the palace of the king, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every large building was destroyed by fire. Most importantly, the, the house of the Lord, that is to say the temple, was destroyed. Okay. Um, then the captain of the guard, in verse 11, led into exile the last of the people remaining in the city, and those who had deserted to the king, um, he, and those who had deserted, uh, who deserted probably the north, from the north to the south for a little while, to the king of Babylon and the last of the artisans. Okay, and that is the end of the southern tribe. What some people escaped in verse twenty-six of chapter twenty-five. Then all the people, great and small, left with the army commanders and went to Egypt for fear of the Chaldeans, that is to say, for fear of the, the Babylonians. So some people got out and went to, uh, went to Egypt. And uh, one of those people we will meet in a while, um, his name is Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. Okay. And such is the end of Second uh, Kings. And by the way, all this, ha uh, the, uh, the, the burning of the temple, the destruction of the temple, I should say, occurred in 586 BC, okay? But the, the, there were several waves of deportations starting in the, you know, in the 590s, okay? And so for approximately 70 years, depending on whether you count from the very first deportation to the, to the, to the second deportation, uh, until the, 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 the people are allowed to come back, um, until that time, 
um, it's approximately 70 years, okay? 70 years, so seven, the number of, of completion there, okay? Now, just a little bit of a intro to First and Second Chronicles. We're going to skip it. We're going to skip these two long books. Why? Because they detail the same events that we've already covered in the other quote-unquote historical books. They just look at, uh, look at these events from a slightly different lens. So if imagine uh, um, uh, watching the news where there is one very conservative news broadcast and another very liberal broad, uh, news broadcast, they will describe the same events, but one might, might uh, take a slightly different slant than the other, okay? Uh, one might choose to include an event or two that the other doesn't. But for our purposes, because this, all of these sessions are regarding doctrine, and uh, uh, what to do with that doctrine, don't see a lot new in here. Um, I will say parenthetically that uh, when they talk about David here, David gets a pass in uh, the books of, of Chronicles. They don't mention his uh, affair with Bathsheba, nor uh, the, 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 his, uh, his arranging the, the death of Bathsheba's husband things like that. So David gets a pass. Uh, David is thought uh, very, very highly in, in, all of, in all of this. So, um, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna go into that. But what can we learn from we, what we just saw in, in 2 Kings today uh, about, about Judah? Well, it is possible for reform. We certainly saw that under Hezekiah and uh, Josiah. And uh, so, but uh, by the same token, actions have consequences, right? It takes a long time to turn a nation. And so for us, uh, living today, you know, wherever you are, doubtless things can improve from a religious standpoint. So my hope is that you will be a Hezekiah or a Josiah and call for a return, call for a return to godliness and, and to worship. Uh, we may not all be kings, but we all have influence over someone, uh, hopefully our families. And we can start there because we see the consequences of what happens when we don't follow God. That said, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we thank you for men of courage like Hezekiah and Josiah, who made their best efforts to turn the tide back towards uh, belief in, in you. And so we ask for the graces and the strength and the opportunities and the courage to, uh, to be Hezekiah's and Josiah's in our own fallen world. We know that no army is a match for you. And we know that uh, our ultimate victory is in you, whether in this earth or um, in, in heaven. And we're comforted by that. Um, we ask and we thank you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.